Good morning, everyone. We'll begin this morning's session with <clears throat> the great renunciation of technology. So if you've brought your cell phone or uh, desktop computer that you snuck into your room, <laughs> your iPad, anything that you would like to um, let go for this retreat and make a kind of a clear statement to yourself um, and to the community. Now is the time to do that. And if for some reason you didn't bring it with you, um, you can always come to the office later on and they'll have a little ceremony for you um, to do that. But if you're ready to do it now, um, it'd be good to come to either side of the room and you'll put some blue tape on your device, um, write your name on it, and then power it down um, so that it doesn't keep doing whatever it does um, and wear out the battery. Uh, in the office. <clears throat> and these baskets, you'll put it in the basket, ring the bell, um, then you can return to your seat. Um, and then these baskets will be taken back to the office and all the, um, all the devices will be kept uh, safely throughout the retreat. So those of you who are ready, um, please come forward and line up on either side and one by one, you can put the device in the basket and ring the bell. And again, make sure that they're turned off.
thank you everyone for participating in that. <clears throat> As we've done this now for a couple of years, uh, more and more people are partaking in this ceremony. And it's stand out in my mind is actually a really interesting um, recognition that these little devices are helpful, but they're also uh, sometimes dominating our awareness. <clears throat> so as far as letting go, um, it's no small act to give these days to yourself and to let your attention be much more intimate with your immediate environment and not always being so drawn out through these many devices. Again, if you didn't participate in this ceremony, but later on realize you would like to let go of your phone, you realize you don't need it, um, you can always come to the office and uh, they'll take it from you and keep it safe. Um, uh, yes, if you guys want to take them, you can. Just one more note while we're on the, the topic of technology. <clears throat> if you have a watch that you have back home set on to beep every hour or something like that, um, it'd be good to check your watch and make sure that all the little alarms are turned off so that they don't uh, keep beeping in the hall here. You might have grown quite used to the beeping of your own uh, watch, um, and slowly we will too. <clears throat> but um, <laughs> it just can be a little bit of a... a a disruption in the silence. So um, just check to make sure that your own watches don't have that alarm, that hourly alarm or some other alarm set. So I'm going to turn our attention now to um, describing the meditation practice that we do here. Uh, it's basically called mindfulness meditation. <clears throat> and what we'll do is that we're going to keep guiding our attention throughout the day into present moment experiences but out of habit, you'll see your mind wanders. Your mind wanders into thoughts um, out of habit. And so very steadily throughout the day, with uh, as much patience as you can offer yourself, just keep bringing your attention back gently but firmly to connect to something tangible here in the present. And then we can do that for only so long, and then our minds get uh, drawn out again. And over the, over the course of the day, and over the course of the many days here, you're going to find that you have more and more capacity to be present um, and to challenge that habit of being distracted. And you'll recognize that you're distracted more quickly and bring your attention back. So just very patiently, that's what we'll be doing through the sitting practice here in the hall. And then afterwards, you'll see in the schedule for the walking practice, it's a similar endeavor. And we'll be doing that throughout the day, learning to invest our attention in the immediate present and not uh, follow our attention out of habit into a lot of streams of thoughts and be somewhat lost in the density and thicket of our own uh, passing thoughts. And then there are uh, other skills we'll be teaching and there are beautiful ramifications of that, but that's the basic practice throughout the day. Um, in the hall here, uh, there are two, two postures that we um, use in the hall. And one of them is the sitting, like you're all doing. And you're also, at any time, welcome to come to standing. If the sitting posture has gotten very painful, you can quietly shift your, uh, your weight and come to standing. And stand for as long as that feels supportive to you being at ease in the present. And at some point, maybe your feet will hurt a little bit, but it will relieve a little tension in your back. And then you can come back to sitting. And if you know that, that you always have a standing option, if sometimes your body is in a little bit of discomfort on these first couple of days, um, getting used to sitting, just know that you have this uh, other posture that you can move into. Um, but the basic sitting uh, posture <clears throat> is one where we try to create a stable base from our um, hips down. And so uh, if you're sitting in a way where your knees can be supported, either on the ground or putting a cushion underneath them, we still have some cushions in the back, um, 
you'll get to experiment throughout the day to how to create a stable base. If one knee is sort of high floating and it's not well supported, it won't be lending much support to your body. And so it's good if your knees feel like they're, they can take some of the weight of your body and also your butt on your cushion. Um, if you're sitting on the ground, you're sitting in a chair, um, you'll have to experiment whether you want to lean back and whether leaning back is good for your posture over time. Sometimes it'll bring a little bit of exhaustion to your lower back and so you might rock forward a little bit at times, lifting up like this. And then generally over time, people tend to lift up and not um, lean back because it, it's conducive to falling asleep a little bit or being drifty if you lean back. But while you're building the strength to sit up, um, do lean back if you need to, but then encourage yourself to, to sit up and uh, um, only use the back of the chair at times to support your back. And that creates a, a stable base for your, um, your hips, your legs, your knees on the ground. Um, if you're sitting in a way where your legs are crossed, um, be careful because that might create a hot spot or a, a point of tension. You might need to move in a little bit if there's um, already some pressure in the way that your legs are crossing. Some people like to sit with their legs, one just in front of the other. Um, but again, experiment and see what's comfortable for you. And then your torso, <clears throat> see if you can um, be long in your torso, invite the sort of nobility of sitting up. Be careful over time, most people slump a little bit. You can't breathe as deeply um, and it tends to uh, make us a little sleepy. So if you realize over time you've done that, you just re-lift your torso, stabilize your hips and your legs as a base, lift your torso. I like to slightly lift my chest and just ever so slightly dip my chin, just a tiny bit. If I want to do that, if, I, if my body wanted, it could take a deep breath. So in your posture now, take a deep breath and relax and do that a few times. That will kind of show you what um, a posture feels like, that there could be a deep breath if your body wanted to take a deep breath. You also notice when you begin to sit, your body's fairly open, but somewhere in you might find that the tension has come in. You can always open your roller shoulders a little bit quietly. See if you can re, uh, reestablish that sense of stability from the hips down with something light, something flexible in your spine, in your shoulders, your neck. If you find tension, gently relax wherever the body has gotten tense where that's possible. We find that balance between the body, relaxed, but still upright. And then we'll do the same uh, with the mind inside. And I'll guide that. So sitting, uh, finding a posture that allows your body to be at ease. Roll your shoulders, roll your neck, make sure that you're not unconsciously holding any tension. And then let your body come to a restful stillness. A sense of peace and ease as much as is possible in the body right now. And see if you can welcome that same approach in your mind, in your heart. Allow your heart and your mind to be at ease, to relax. You're just sitting here in a quiet room. And then within that ease that you're inviting, you can also welcome some wakefulness, some attentiveness to the flow of present time experiences, simple present time experiences. That might be the sounds and the silence in the room. So you're resting, 
taking in the sound of my voice, the coughing of a neighbor, somebody adjusting their posture. Later on, maybe the sound of rain. And the silence. These are all present time experiences. You can guide your attention to rest in simple hearing. You can also become aware that you have a body. And the body, when you turn your attention into the body, is full of sensations. There's the pressure where your body is being held up by the cushions or the floor or the chair, the contact of your hands, whatever they're touching, the feeling of the clothes on your body, on your skin, Maybe some coolness where your skin is exposed to the air. That's another place you can rest your attention that's not in stream of thought, is in any body sensations, any awareness that you have a body known through present time sensations. And then one place within your body that you can always find sensations is what you feel as you breathe. With every breath, there's expansion in your chest and then a relaxation, possibly a lifting of your shoulders, and then they relax. Pressure down in your abdomen as you take in breath relaxation as it comes out. Cool air coming in your nose or your mouth, warm air flowing out. The breath can be a very reliable place to invite your attention. And begin challenging this habit of entertaining every thought that passes through your mind. There will come a point where you realize that you've been entertaining thoughts and following them and you wake up a little bit. Oh, wait, I'm thinking again. Redirect your attention back to one of those three grounding experiences 
of sounds, body sensations, or the breath. You have a chance to explore today which of these three anchors, these three returning points, is most supportive for your attention. Begin with a light, fresh, gentle but dedicated effort to see how long you can stay with the breath, for example, before the mind wanders again.
After a while, remembering to keep your posture long and tall in case you've slumped over a little bit. Let go of any accumulating frustrations or creeping sense that you have to force this. Allow yourself an attitude of starting over, fresh. Meeting this experience of sound, these current body sensations, or this next cycle of breathing. And the next challenge is to see if you can sustain your attention through one full cycle of breathing, through one stream of sounds, 
one stream of body sensations. Give a little more support without using force to be loyal to the breath, to be loyal to sounds or body sensations. I'd like to hear back from a few of you what you experienced and um, some advanced warning, whatever you experienced was fine. <clears throat> we make efforts to, do, uh, to be present, but we really are here to learn about how our hearts and minds work. And so whatever you noticed is uh, completely fair game. So don't, uh, don't be discouraged by what you noticed, that you noticed anything is really what we're up to. <clears throat> um, also, you'll, m most people can sit fairly still, but their minds are in a process of development. So if you felt like everybody else dropped into some incredible stillness and you're the only one who had a mind that was buzzing, just as a show of hands, how many people had a wandering mind? <laughs> so you're in good company. <clears throat> that tends to be what the first, at least the first couple of days feel like is out of, act, out of habit, the minds are very busy. And so you're, you're fortunate to have this many days to gently encourage the mind to be less, um, less chaotic. So any, a few people want to share what you noticed in your, your practice this morning? Yeah, and speak up for the room if you can. He was nodding off. How many people had that sort of nod, a sense of, yeah, they're in good company? Um, again, often we, what we call normal in our modern culture is pretty overextended. And so another part about coming on retreat is that we're actually much more tired, many of us, than we realize. So it's another part of our patience, um, just to be uh, patient with these first couple of days while we find our balance of being in this type of lifestyle. Um, and so for many people, there'll be a catching up of rest the, as you sit here. Anybody else, what did you notice? Yeah, on the way back. I noticed that uh, 
right? So she noticed that she had a knot in her stomach, and then she focused on her breath and the knot didn't go away. What will happen with, with, with most of our body patterns is that gently over time, um, they release some of their tension and their holding, but that's not always the case. It's more likely to do that if we have an accepting patient attitude. So it's something unpleasant and it's hard to imagine accepting it because it's probably painful. But again, it's, it's the invitation to just let it be there, to breathe, relax, let the body have some aches and pains, um, and then things shift over time, usually, but on their timing, on the body's timing and the body's agenda. We can't make those things happen. That's another patience is dealing with some of the body's processes over these first couple of days and to see what changes a little more easily and what our long-term projects are. If, <clears throat> if you have um, a lot of pain in the area where you're putting your attention to rest, so if you're um, bringing your attention to your breath and there happens to be a lot of body pain in that area, it's possible that um, that will be a challenging place to rest your mind because it will go so close to the pain. So sometimes if, uh, if I have a lot of pain in my shoulders, my neck, or my chest, then I might go to actually uh, hearing, and I might go to actually more of a body awareness down in my hands, just so I can rest my attention in some place not right next to something painful. And it gives me some place to regroup. So you might notice that uh, today too. Small pains are one thing, but if it's fairly intense, um, See if you can rest your attention elsewhere just to gather yourself, regroup. Are there any questions about the instruction this morning um, about what we're supposed to be doing when we sit here in the hall? Yes, where does note-taking fit into all this? And I see you holding a little book. Do you mean actually taking notes or note-taking with your mind? Observing my thoughts. Observing your thoughts. <clears throat> and so uh, um, one part of what we're doing is collecting and gathering ourselves so we're not so um, scattered. So we want to kind of rest, make our attention a little more whole, Another part of our practice is then beginning to look at how our minds actually work. And so the noting in the mind is where you're actually maybe saying little things if you want to make a verbal note inside. Or as long as you don't need the words, you just notice. Oh, my mind wandered. Oh, I was with my breath. And then that thought came by like a shooting star. It was much more interesting. But I noticed it. That's how I went from breath to thought. And so those little noticings are where we start to learn and see how this being actually works from the inside. So that <clears throat> type of noting is interesting. Noting comes in and it tends to be um, really supported if there is uh, some calm and gatheredness to which to note from if you find that your mind's in a very uh, chaotic phase and you try to note within that, um, it, you might be able to do that. It just gets a little harder to note when the mind's very scattered. So you might even just say, oh, I'm really scattered. That might be a noticing. I found it easier to learn when I've also rested my mind. So sometimes I rest the, the noticing investigation part of my mind until I feel that I'm content, resting in the present, not so scattered. And then I begin, it's easier for me to actually productively notice what's happening inside. But if it's too much of a whirlwind, even though it's a very graphic experience, it's um, the noting myself is just so scattered. So um, you'll all end up noticing things whether you want to or not because you're going to be very intimate with yourselves over these days. But it's something you can also do intentionally. 
is notice how a stream of your own mind works, how um, uh, there's just many things you're going to learn about yourself by noticing. And you can do that intentionally, or you can do that just by being here and practicing. You'll get to see how things work. But you can also every now and then say, let me watch. How do I go from content with the breath to uh, lost in a stream of thought? I want to see if I can really track that. And that's a, a healthy part of how this practice can deepen, is that type of investigation. So the question is about uh, actual note-taking on a, on a pad with a pen. Um, <clears throat> some people find that helpful. What, uh, it's not helpful to do it here in the hall because people can hear you scratching on the, the, um, your pad of paper. Um, for some people, it does sharpen their analysis if they do a little bit of like tracking and just a little bit of note-taking. More than that, what tends to happen if you're journaling, for example, is it <clears throat> tends to get the mind back up into um, processing through thought. And so we actually uh, encourage you over these days to see if you can back off from journaling, if you, that's a habit at home. Um, it'll allow that part of your mind to relax. And you can learn there are other ways to notice to keep traffic of experiences by attending them um, versus trying to render it more through the thinking process and the journaling process. So I would recommend backing off. It's just that if there was a very playing thought and you could write it down very simply, that might help the letting it go. So um, some people do that. And some people who are really trying to investigate something will use a tiny bit of reflection to sharpen their analysis, but it tends to be very short things to kind of um, get something out of your mind or to crystallize a certain thought that you're, or a certain reflection that you're having. And but for the most part, if you can let it go, um, other parts of you will open up and develop. So uh, that's a good start for the sitting. And again, you're, um, you're always allowed to come to quiet standing if uh, today and tomorrow you're either sleepy or if there's um, some body pain from the same posture over and over and over and some part of your body is getting really sore. Coming to standing um, can be a great re uh, relief of that. And then you can come back to sitting again. So those two postures are open to everybody. Lying down in the hall um, are for those people who have talked to the managers or the teachers, and they usually have a, a medical need to do that because often lying down um, leads to sleepiness. It's a very advanced posture that we teach later on, but uh, it tends to just go into the sleepiness too easily. So standing and sitting uh, here in the hall. And now Nushka is going to uh, guide us in uh, the other half of the practice we do throughout the day is the walking practice. So we'll give you... Um, still on, yeah? No? So we'll give you um, some of the background also for the practices um, as we uh, go through. So one of the aspects of the Buddhist teaching is that um, what we call our, our life and kind of our reality is actually made up of the quick succession of six different experiences that we have as humans through the senses. And the first five of them are ones that you're probably familiar with from kindergarten. So seeing, smelling, tasting, touching, hearing. Uh, the sixth sense door, if you will, is the mind. So our life is made up of 
seeing something, then maybe some experience in the mind of thought, of thinking about it, perceiving it, experience of the body, experience of sound, you know, rapidly going between these. We spend a lot of time in the field of thought, and we don't always know that we're thinking when we're thinking. Mindfulness can meet any of these experiences, so none of them have to be a problem. And in this kind of meditation, we don't look at at thinking as something to be completely eradicated or uh, something bad. Uh, But it's more like, um, can we know that we're thinking when we're thinking? And as an aid to developing mindfulness as a focus, as well as a very good way of uh, developing a practice of awareness you can take into your life in any circumstance, Um, For today, the first day, the main place we'll be training ourselves to keep our attention is in the physical body. So keeping it very simple. So even as you're sitting here now, you know, maybe you've been listening to Temple and listening to me, but if I ask you to just feel whatever it is that you notice about your body right now. So you might feel like the pressure of where you're connected to your cushion or chair, You might feel maybe what the different temperature is, different parts of the body. It could be it's warmer where your body has got more clothes or touching the ground. It could be it's cooler where there's openness to air on the hands or the face. You could even feel if there's different areas where there's more tension in the body. Maybe in the shoulders it's more tense. Maybe it's around the jaw. And maybe there's some parts that are more relaxed. It could be that there's some parts of the body that have um, pain right now. Those are probably more obvious to you. But it could be there's also areas that feel very pleasant right now. So all of that uh, you can notice at different times. And these are all different aspects of the physical body. And you might have thoughts about it too, like, oh, my knee hurts, or... I am hot. Just recognize that those are happening in the field of thought, and that is a response reaction idea about the experience in the body. So for today, we're going to keep it very simple with uh, sticking with the body, and the walking meditation is a very uh, helpful way to cultivate this. So we'll do a little uh, demo together, and then I'll show you the formal practice of it. So for our, um, like, mini pilot of walking meditation. I want you to um, stand up, but do so uh, a little slower than usual and feel what it feels like to stand up. So almost like if you were an alien deposited in a human body, I'd like, what would it be like? What is this feeling of standing? And as you come to standing, you can feel what it feels like in the legs and the shoulders and feeling your feet on the ground and You might even notice if it feels different in the right or the left. Depending on how detailed you notice, you might even notice if you are focusing more on your feet, like where the uh, weight is borne on your feet more. You know, it could be naturally you lean more towards the outside of your foot, the inside, or the front or the back. And maybe there's a little bit of swaying that's there, even as you're standing still the body naturally balancing itself. So in this practice, we are uh, coming into the body as home, so coming into embodiment, which can be a very radical thing. You can even practice uh, swaying a little bit back and forth, just very gently and noticing what that's like. This is the precursor to locomotion. And then we're just going to take one step forward, and we're going to do it a little slower than usual. So as you sway to one side, then you can lift up your foot, move it forward, and then place it on the ground. And notice what that feels like now. And then shift the weight to that foot, and then we'll come back together to standing. So lift the other one moving it forward, and then you're standing again. You just feel what the body feels like having taken that one step. Might be different, might be more energy. You can even feel
feel your breath again. And then we'll take one step uh, backwards now. So again, shifting the weight, lifting, moving, placing, shifting the weight, lifting, moving, and then coming back to standing. So you can go back to uh, sitting for a moment, and as you shift back into sitting, you could notice what that feels like, too, as you refold yourself up. So for the walking meditation, the formal walking meditation, um, the way that we'll do it is you find a walking path, and it might be maybe 10 to 20 paces long. And uh, you come to the beginning of your path, and then you try to establish your attention in your body, so just feeling yourself standing here. And then you want to kind of eyeball the end of your path, which in some of the walking rooms will just be the wall, so that would be easy. But if you're outside, it could be that there's a bush or stick or something there. And then you just start walking. And as you walk, you try to maintain the attention uh, in the experience of the body in motion. You can walk at whatever speed helps you to be mindful. And you can even vary your speed over the period. So bring the attention into the body standing. And then as I'm walking, I'm just feeling what it feels like as the legs are moving, as the feet are striking the ground. When I come to the end, I come to standing again. If the attention is scattered, collect it again. And then turning around, feeling what that's like. And then walking back again. And then stopping at the end, turning around. Someone had asked about the practice of um, noting, and you can use that if it's helpful for you during the walking practice. Uh, You can use that in different ways. If you're moving faster, uh, you could just say very lightly in your mind, stepping, 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 stepping. So that just helps you to kind of frame what it is that you're noticing. So it's not like a command to march, but it's like just framing. If you're walking a little slower, you could even break it down further. So lifting, moving, placing, lifting, moving, placing. So you're just very quietly doing that in your mind to notice what it's like in each part of the step. And as you become uh, a little slower, you tend to be able to notice more detail as you're moving. In fact, sometimes people will do a kind of like nine-part note. You don't need to name very specifically each of those nine parts, just like noticing in each lifting, there's actually three parts, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And you're just noticing all that you can in that. But it's perfectly fine to walk at a faster pace or uh, to start at a faster pace and then slow it down as you go. So I demonstrate that not because it's actually that much to look at, but yes, we're actually suggesting that you walk back and forth uh, all period. So sometimes people think like, oh, well, can I just go for a walk? Isn't that like the same thing? Um, And there's nothing wrong with going for a walk, but for this formal practice period, um, it suggests that you try this back and forth sort of formal walking practice. One reason is because if you start to space out, which will inevitably happen, or get distracted, uh, you'll remember when you hit the wall or the end of your path that you were trying to meditate. <laughs> so it gives you a much uh, better chance at like, remembering that than if you just like, went for a walk where you might only remember at the very end of the period when the bell rings. Right? Uh, it's designed to be boring in some way. right? So sometimes the mind will be like, ah, this is really boring, nothing's happening. Maybe I'll go and rearrange my socks instead or something like that. You know? <laughs> so watch the monkey mind. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's, it's actually possible to walk uh, with any kind of mind. So with the restless mind, with the curious mind, with the bored mind, uh, with the mind that uh, is distracted, with the mind that is doubtful. So 
Um, my recommendation is just to commit to doing for each section of the schedule, as I mentioned, to go from sitting to the walking, when the bell rings for the end of the walking period, to come right back into the sitting, and then to do the next walking. And that continuity is going to build uh, very powerfully this uh, collectedness that will support being able to see uh, much more subtle aspects of our experience, like thoughts, emotions, uh, different things like that. So as you're walking, you might notice yourself distracted a little bit, like, oh, there's a squirrel, or uh, is it going to rain? Right. So whenever that happens, that's fine. If it's a passing thing, just let it be and stay primarily with the experience of the body. If you find yourself caught up in some story, then uh, you can even sometimes stop in your walking path, kind of regroup again, bring the attention back into the body, uh, and then uh, continue along. If that happens 100 times in one length, that's totally fine. That's totally fine, that's totally normal. This is the process of training the attention. It takes a lot of patience. Please be very kind to yourself. Um, it doesn't mean at all that you're doing it badly or uh, that you're failing or any of that stuff that your mind might come up with. So this is just part of the, the practice of the training back and forth. Also, it can actually be very enjoyable. So you can even uh, actually just enjoy walking. You might notice other things like smells or sights, particularly if you're outside. Um, and that's fine. Um, but I'd say primarily to keep the attention kind of grounded with the experience of the body, sort of this embodiment. And there's something very um, radical even about training your attention to be in the body. Um, so some of you might have attended some of the different um, marches that happened this weekend, you know, as a collective action of people um, gathering together and uh, sort of showing up together to say something, right? to make a statement, to be present for what you believe in. So you could consider this some, some way of training in this also. So training in a radical presence uh, that you can then bring into your life in a variety of different circumstances. And particularly if you are from some group or population in which it feels like there have been messages to you that you don't deserve to be here, you shouldn't be here, you don't exist, you're not valuable, all this stuff. Messages that all of us have heard at some time or another. This act of developing presence in the body in motion, kind of reclaiming your human dignity in this way, is, is actually very powerful, very radical, and something that nobody can take from you. So I encourage you to do this practice. It's on the schedule for uh, half of the time during the retreat. Uh, it's not actually like a break time or kind of like a lesser practice, even though we don't have uh, as many statues of Buddha walking. It was actually a very important practice uh, even during the Buddha's time. And even now, actually, in some um, monasteries, when uh, an abbot will visit another monastery, they'll check and see like how well-worn are the walking paths in that monastery to see if people are like actually serious meditation practitioners or they're, <laughs> you know, how much they're using the walking paths. So it can be a very beautiful thing. Uh, so see if there's any questions about a walking practice. I explained. Yeah. Is there anywhere specific we should walk outside? Mm. You could actually walk um, anywhere outside is fine. Um, yeah, even in the woods, there's some um, paths there. Uh, indoors, there's downstairs, down these stairs here, there's a walking room. And then up the stairs there, there's another walking room. But yeah, the corridor is fine. Um, if you're walking in the courtyard, walk kind of like all in the same direction, i.e. not like radar blips, you know, like that, but like so you're not running into each other. But yeah, you can walk anywhere on hill, down there, flat. Um, there's some paths you'll see like up top. Um, whoever gets to the path can use it. So you could notice if sometimes you have a like claiming the path idea, you know, in, in your mind. <laughs> the spot, but uh, yeah, whoever goes there can use it. it. It doesn't become like yours because you walked on it once. So. Yeah, even indoors in the dorm in the hallway, if it's raining, you can do that, or under the eaves here, um, in the dining hall between the tables, possible too. If you're feeling sleepy, it could be good to go outside. Sometimes the fresh air you know, brings a little vitality, and sometimes walking faster can help a little uh, with that too. It can help to keep the eyes a little bit gazing downward to, uh, call it, to sort of guarding the sense doors so you're not as much like, what's that guy's t-shirt say, or, you know, 
where they get that hat. So just a little bit downward. Uh, and then hands, keep them however you like, whatever is comfortable for you. <laughs> All right, looks like it's time to walk. <laughs> so there should be a bell um, that will ring uh, like 10 minutes before uh, to invite us um, back into the next sitting. So thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.